So welcome to TalSmart panel. Uh, Christina, welcome, welcome, welcome. Here, I'll just put the agenda for you. We have the panel introduction, that's you, questions and the next steps. So tell okay. us about your story. This is all about you, Christina. Uh, so I came to Spartan Raider about um, oh, a year and a half ago um, from a, I was recruited in by the CEO from my former business where I was advising him on the talent structure in the beginning, working with the EVP of uh, people and ops. And um, before that, I have a long history in both executive search and uh, basically technology. I grew up in this, in this space. So it was a nice marriage of all of my background to come here and get back into a startup that focuses on tech. Awesome. So as director of talent, uh, Christina, uh, what is that one thing which you will tell everyone who is in that direct level position? What is that one thing which keeps you awake at night? <laughs> Finding the right talent. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know it's a tough one. But anyways, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll start with this. So we are basically discussing the top HR practices that generate revenue for tech sales, or you can say for technology channel. That's basically what your expertise is. So we're trying to address these uh, issues or the problems where we are trying to adjust to the changing world, especially the tech world where people right. matter more than hours. And now the scenario with this economic downturn, people are getting laid off right, left, and center. Uh, but mm -hmm. still, when you're trying to go and find the, the top people, the talent, you are unable to find that. So I don't understand these two different paradigms where we are stuck. In one case, people think, oh, there'll be a lot of people available. And when you go finding them, you don't find them. And right. second, again, the same thing, finding the quality candidates to boost the business performance, and then again, training them. So these are some of the problems, and these are some of the questions which I'll be discussing with you. So I'll start with the first question that, um, sorry, here you go. I just skipped one slide. When it comes to hiring, what have been your biggest successes, challenges, and lessons learned? Great question. So because we're a startup, I think the biggest challenges we have are the ever-changing landscape, right? So um, when you're in a startup situation, you have to look for candidates that are nimble and able to work in sort of a, an ever-changing environment, right? And so that, I think, from our perspective, has always encouraged us to look outside, right, the box, so to speak, um, and then rely also on um, really good talent from in, from the standpoint of the backgrounds, right? So you have to really pinpoint the right fit, not only culturally, but also from the experience level, because you don't have a huge robust team. So a lot of people have to be able to be that multidisciplined or an ability to kind of work around a specific job versus, you know, narrowly in a specific job, if that makes sense, right? So from, from our perspective, when we go out and we start recruiting, it's it's like, a re, I always call it the, the reverse funnel, right? You start very niche and then you go more and more broad as you continue the pool. Um, and that's always been a challenge because oftentimes you think you know what you want, but then it shifts, right? As you get into this funnel. And also finding the right 
cultural fit, somebody who's willing to kind of color outside those lines and be very flexible and move really quickly and change can be difficult in a, in, in, in a beginning phase, right? Because you can't set a specific definition of where the position is going. So, you know, that's, I think, one of our biggest challenges and it's continued to be a challenge, right? As we've grown, we've gotten to a point now where we're a little bit more or a lot more um, sophisticated. And so the positions are becoming more aligned, right? So you can say, I need a senior embedded software engineer. And you can be very specific about the senior embedded software engineer versus software engineer, which can encompass so many more things, if that makes in any sense whatsoever, that's really been our biggest challenge is that definition of roles and continuing to fine tune our funnel both this way and then this way from a recruiting standpoint. That's interesting. But when you talk about technology, you know, there are so many overlapping technologies. And then Absolutely. there are people, when you look at their resumes, they have all put every single keyword in the resume. So how do you parse that out? It's really tough. It is, it is. I think a lot of it is looking at the depth of experience. Have they applied it in their specific roles? You know, you can pepper a resume with keywords, but if you show no practical understanding of that, unless we're hiring for a very early stage role, the hands-on is a necessity, right? So showing demonstrated experience with the keywords that you're listing is really critical, right? That's how you're going to get through to the recruiter or to the hiring manager is showing that demonstrated understanding, that practical knowledge use, how you've achieved results using the specific tools or the certain experience you've had, et cetera, versus just throwing it on a resume, right? I tell people all the time, please remember, STAR, right? Action, situation, tax, action, result. Really look at results and make sure you're, you're talking, not only in your resume, but when you have that conversation with the recruiter or the hiring manager, talk through your practical actions and your results. That's really interesting, Christina. Yeah, in fact, that's that star technique I remember in some of the companies that taught us when I was growing up as well in my career. So when you talk about technology, so there's always one question which I am always talking to the private equity venture uh, capital firms as well. I mm -hmm. see startups being funded. On one side, I see these finance guys. On the other side, as the CEO, CTO, CIO, I see the technology guys. Are these people able to uh relate the technology to the business outcomes of the clients and if yes up to what extent that's a great question um this isn't my first rodeo right so i've been through the startup realm before and i think sometimes what you saw in the past when there were challenges i guess is the best way of putting it in going to market was that there wasn't that communication, right? That there wasn't that fine line of understanding between the business objectives and what was technologically realistic. Um, that's one thing that Spartan, I, I'm really proud of our team here is that it's very transparent. Our CTO, our CEO, our chief revenue officer, um, our chief product officer, our strategy officer, they're very involved in continuously talking about and collaborating both within our, our organizational structure, but within our funding structure and our EVP of ops to make sure that they understand the technological roadmap and the, the timetable and the achievability of that from an engineering perspective. And I think that's what sets us a little bit apart, um, a lot apart perhaps, but I also know that, you know, in the past from my own experience, and like I said, in other startups, I've seen that be a, a stopgap. And so that was a, a, a big win for me when I came here was to recognize that collaborative nature of this organization and how they're so 
careful when they go out to market to talk about the achievements of the engineering side, because we are an engineering driven organization. We are a, a technology organization. And I think that's what's so exciting for me is to hear that continuously spoken of both top down as well as up and out, right? Wow, that's really, really interesting. That's actually that's actually commendable uh, if you guys as an organization all would do it. So this brings me down to my second question, Christina. How do you determine if a new tech candidate is going to be a good fit for your company? It's, you know, it's, it's interesting. I get asked this question a lot. I think technology for us is, that's a very broad question. Um, adaptability, capability, um, attitude, aptitude, those are all the key factors, right? You can, um, if you, obviously they have to be qualified to a certain extent for a job. I'm famous for saying if somebody could check every box on the job description, they may not be interested in our job because they've probably already achieved everything that we need. And so therefore the position won't be a challenge. But on the flip side, you know, you know, there's specific things that the person has to accomplish. So it's that fine line, making sure that the individual is not only qualified for the position itself, but has the aptitude to grow, right? And to challenge and to change. And I think honestly, it's training the hiring managers to recognize, okay, what are the give and takes from a qualification standpoint? If they've touched the technology, good. You know, obviously they have to have touched pretty much everything, but if they've only touched it, what's their aptitude for growth? What's our ability to train that person? Who can mentor that person forward? And that's really what the, sort of the secret sauce is behind any tech recruiting, right? Is to hire for aptitude and attitude as well as capability. So that's kind of how our approach has always been here. Hmm, that's really interesting. So do you also, when you are interviewing these candidates before hiring, do you also see that given any particular role, is it more like an individual contributor kind of role or it's like a team player because I remember hiring many technology guys and they look awesome with whatever they do, but then the moment you put them into a team structure, it's a disaster. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have you faced something like this before in your career? In my career, for sure. Um, yeah, many times. Um, here, you know, it's interesting because we're a startup, um, that's been a critical cultural um, determination point for a lot of our candidates, right? It's not just about being able to work in a vacuum, right? It's, I, I'm famous for saying also, I can't recruit in a vacuum. It's the same for any, any individual here. You can't work in a vacuum. So you can be as qualified as possible, but if you're not willing to mentor, work with the other teams, lead direction, you know, take direction, pass direction forward, lead, even if it's in an indirect sense, right? On a project basis then you're probably not going to be a fit, right? If you're not able to, to be tasked in, in a variety of ways by a variety of different people with a variety of different thoughts, right? So you might be, for example, a systems engineer, but suddenly you find yourself taking direction from a software engineer because the product is software-based. So how do you correlate that? That's the cultural fit, right? You have to make sure that they're able to not only understand their own position and be able to speak about it, but also either able to be coached or coach others in a different dynamic or functional area within the same genre, engineering or tech, right? 
but also really understand sort of that cohesion, right? And so that is something that we really try to ferret out during the interview panel by asking behavioral questions, by talking about team participation, by asking them about team participation. You know, what projects have you worked on? Who have you worked with before? Um, and it's just a, it's just such an important part of this as we continue to grow because it is, we are too small to have people that swim specifically in one lane. It just doesn't, you know, we're not a giant organization where somebody can be in that lane all day. It just doesn't work that way here. Wow. Another thing when it comes to fitting in the company, how about the compensation? Lately for the last, I think, one year or so, uh, the salary is going up and these uh, candidates demanding higher salaries, stock options, benefits, remote work, you name it. Uh, how does that come into play with, with the organization? It's always a challenge, right? I think there is no organization where compensation isn't a challenge. I mean, you could be Google and have a challenge, right? I, I think um, it's really that fine line between understanding what parameters we can stay within um, and then also understanding how we can reach to attract the right talent. Now, I'm in California which makes my life a little bit more challenging right now because we have a new law where we have to have salary transparency um, on our, our requisitions. Um, so we have invested in some compensation tools. I'm working with a compensation consultant right now to really make sure that we're thinking in terms of not only how we can attract the, the, the best talent out there, but also retain our existing talent, right? Competitively, not only pay, but also equity, opportunity for advancement, training, other things internally that we can do to continuously make our talent feel appreciated, welcomed, valued, et cetera. So it's not just about the money. I think it's about presenting the whole opportunity. Benefits, of course, right? Benefits, equity, ownership. You know, you own a piece of this company right now. So let's all make it successful together, right? That's the the that's really where our compensation parameters come into play is really not just about the salary, but really trying to, to weed out who wants to own a piece of this and work with us to make this successful because it is a team effort, right? Making a startup happen is a team. It's not one person, it's not two people, it's a team. So everybody gets to have a piece of that. And so that's where I feel like our compensation right now has been largely driven. Now we know that as we grow and as we have additional funding rounds, the equity is going to become less and less, you know, we're not going to have the same level of equity we can give away. So then we're going to have to focus a little bit more on, you know, salaries that are more competitive or whatever. We are competitive now, but really even continuously keeping an eye on that market, adjusting salaries as needed, being careful so that we can compete. We're never going to be able to compete with the Amazons of the world from a salary perspective, but we have something a little special here that we feel like we can talk about from a, you know, from a, a overall compensation view, not just salary. Well, that's lovely. That's incredible. And can you kind of discuss openly? I don't know any percentage of equity split based on different no. positions. <laughs> okay. No. All right. So that brings it down to my next question. which is what techniques do you teach your new tech teams when they start? It could be techniques, it could be culture, it could be conduct, it could be anything. So what are those techniques which you teach technology-wise, conduct-wise, training-wise, or anything related to training? 
That's a great question. So we're actually rolling in some training right now and some performance, um, you know, training for uh, career pathing, if you want to call it that, or talent management. Um, you know, we are still only our, this is our third or actually our second real year in existence, right? We were founded in the latter part of 2020. So like all organizations, you know, we're fairly green when it comes to the robustness of our offerings internally, but we're continuously thinking about additional trainings. Um, we are very careful to assign buddies and mentors to individuals when they come in the door to allow them to have a safe space to go to, to ask questions that they may think are stupid to ask their, their manager, right? I don't believe in stupid questions. I feel like that's the one you don't ask, but a lot of people are very intimidated when they come in the door. They don't wanna go to their boss and ask what they feel that could be perceived as a stupid question. So we assign them a mentor, a buddy, somebody who's you know in their peer group, hopefully, and then a mentor who's more of a senior person that they can talk to who's had some established career. And that for us has been a very successful way to sort of help them integrate into the organization. Usually they're on the same team. There have been times when we've assigned them somebody that's not on their team to allow, because we recognized in future, they would probably be working on a similar project together. Um, but we've, we've tried very hard in the last, I'd say six to 12 months, we've been with my HR ops manager, we've been really looking at how, how can we continuously improve that process and continuously help train individuals as they come in. If they're not comfortable in Python and we ask them to do some scripting, we'll go out and say, hey, we'll, we'll give you a Python class. We'll, we'll find a Python class for you. Go take a Python class. Um, you know, We'll offer that for you. So those are some of the things that we're still inception really here, but we're really rolling them out as we continue to go forward. That's really, really interesting. So in fact, what we were trying to do is there were a lot of candidates reaching out to us, maybe find them, they still need more training, but they're mm -hmm. not fit for that particular job. And then there were some mm -hmm. of our clients, they were saying that we need a lot of junior uh, people uh, both in sales and in technology in the pool, and we don't have time to train them as well. So we started some public training classes where a lot of people are coming and we will be, we, we have launched the sales one, but we're launching the technology side as well. And I'll share that outline with you. So that'll be a good way, uh, a good help for them as well. Once these people are ready, Christina, I'll ping you and you can do some kind of recruitment round from them. These are trained souls which are ready to be deployed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Perfect. Yep. No, thank you so much. And, uh, you know, it, it brings us to the end of this panel. Thank you so much for taking time. And any last words, any any feedback, anything which we can improve on for this podcast slash panel discussion? No, I think it, it, I think honestly, from my perspective, it's just really more about helping people understand that you know, don't be discouraged if you're out there applying for jobs and you you feel like you're, you know, in a pool of people, an abysmal pool. And particularly right now where there's been a lot of layoffs, use your network, right? Network, 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 talk to people, figure out how to make yourself viable and, and different, right? And don't get discouraged because honestly, this is a crazy market right now, crazy market. And we've all seen this before. Well, a lot, some of us have. Um, and it'll write itself, but right now it's it's a it's a wave, right? So cresting and and going forward, and 
you know, just don't get discouraged. I, I, I can't say that enough. I, I say this to people all day. Please don't get discouraged. It will get better and you will find a, you will find something at the end of this. Very, very encouraging. Thank you so much. This was Christina. Take care, Christina. Have a good one. Thank you so much. Take care.